On September 15, 1963, congregation members of the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama, were greeting each other before the start of the Sunday service. There was that buzz of energy when folks are gathering for worship. It was in the air. And in the basement of the church, five young girls, two of them sisters, gathered in their best dresses, happily chatting about the first days of the new school year. It was Youth Sunday. Excitement filled their conversation. They were going to take part in the Sunday adult service. And then, just before 11 o'clock in the morning, instead of the church rising to pray, the church was knocked to the ground. A bomb exploded under the front steps. People sought safety under pews and shielded themselves from debris. And in the basement, four of those little girls, 14-year-olds Addie Mae Collins, Denise McNair, Carol Robertson, and 11-year-old Cynthia Wesley were killed. Addie's sister Susan survived, but was permanently blinded. In the moments after the explosion in the sanctuary, questions rang out, where's my child? Are they okay? Someone remembers hearing this question, how much longer will this violence last? You see, no one thought an accident had happened. They knew it was a bomb that had hit their historic black church as there had been dozens of bombs before in their city. Their pastor, John Cross, with some others, found the girls' bodies, the four of them clutching each other, and he began to recite the 23rd Psalm. The 16th Street Baptist Church was a large and prominent downtown church just blocks from City Hall, and since its construction in 1911, it had served as the centerpiece of the city's African-American community, a meeting place, a social center, a house of worship. And then four white men, members of the Ku Klux Klan, under the cover of night, set the bomb under the church stairs, time to explode on Sunday morning at the hour of worship, evil. It's real, evil is real. But God can deliver us from evil. God has power over evil and God will deliver us from evil. So we don't have to fear evil, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death and we can take a stand against evil. That's what I want to talk with you about today, that we must take a stand against evil, that we're being called to take a stand against evil. Now, why did I go back 58 years to talk about an evil event when I had a bunch of others to choose from since then? Aren't there many more contemporary examples, you might have wondered, many more contemporary names? Well, it's a very common question, especially in these times, when something is lifted up as evil to ask, well, what about this? You know, what about this situation? What about this person? Well, the reason I shared about the precious girls murdered in Birmingham in 1963, a clear hate crime of evil, is because those girls and their legacy helped call me into my current work and ministry. When I was 22, two of my professors loaded up my first year class of seminary students in a bus in Sewanee, Tennessee, where we went to school, and drove us to Birmingham. We went to visit the Civil Rights Institute in downtown Birmingham, which serves as a research center for civil rights, but also as a museum. And it sits right across the street from the 16th Street Baptist Church. So as my classmates and I walked through the museum hallways, looking at exhibits and learning about, learning about events, at first it was not much different from many other educational experiences I had had. 
until my friend Michael pulled me with some energy over to a photo, an old black and white photo mixed in with a bunch of others in this sort of collage on the wall. It was taken, the picture was taken on the streets of Birmingham shortly after the bombing of the church. There were some notable civil rights figures at the front of a line of people walking down the street, but then just behind them in clerical collars that priests wear were two people that Michael and I recognized. Could it be? Our two professors who were in their 60s at the time we were their students, the two old professors who brought us to Birmingham for the day were in that photo, marching down the streets of Birmingham as young pastors standing up against evil. Our tour of the Civil Rights Institute then led us across the street into the sanctuary of the 16th Street Baptist Church to learn more about the bombing. We sat down in the old pews and were directed to look at the back wall. You see, when the bomb went off, most of the stained glass windows shattered. A stained glass artist across the ocean in Wales heard of the tragic killing and he began to raise money from his countrymen, allowing no one to give more than 15 cents a person so that the gift would truly be from the people of Wales. And he commissioned and designed this Jesus window that now hangs in the back of the sanctuary. In the picture, the right hand of Jesus is pushing away hatred and evil. The left hand is open, offering forgiveness. And at the bottom it says, you do it to me. This is in reference to Jesus' words, what you do to the least of these, you do it to me. My class, we sat down in the pews for a quiet moment. We were asked just to meditate on our trip before we, re we returned home. And I looked at that beautiful, dark-skinned Jesus, and all I could think about was my professor's who, when they were young, tried to do something, decided to take a risk and stand up against an evil they didn't even have to deal with if they didn't want to. And I wondered, how did they know to stand? How did they stand? And God, when it's my turn, will I stand? I'm using the word stand because that's the posture that we're told to have in the face of evil. Let me read it to you from Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand your ground. And after everything, stand. I'm going to tell you a, a bit more about this armor <laughs> that was referred to there. But first, two things that are critically important to stand against evil. I'm going to call them perspective and posture. So perspective, you know, it's a point of view, the lens that you're looking through. So perspective is critical for your life today and how you will view the world, how you will view evil and how you will respond. It all starts with your perspective. You know, if I speak uh, and think that the lens you're looking through as you hear my voice right now, if I think you're hearing me and I think that you think what the Bible says is important, 
or if I think that you think God's way holds authority for your life. If I think that in really God's word and God's way has no bearing on your life, then everything I say after that makes no difference. I have to know your point of view, your lens and you mine. Now, most of us don't intentionally as Christ followers get to a place where we aren't looking through God's lens. It's a slow fade to get us there. It happens over time. That's why it's so important to assess what you are looking through. For me, Things look totally different for me if I look through my glasses or not. Yeah, these are not just for style, prescription. But I literally, the other night, ran into the door in my house because I had my glasses off. I came to work and my nose was bleeding. Because even though I was in my house, which I'm very familiar with, I could not see what was really before me without looking through these. And what I've noticed in this time, like in this last year, as we have looked at real evil and sometimes imaginary evil, how we react to it has everything to do with what lens we're looking through, what glasses we put on. Phones are discipling our teenagers. News stations have become the morning devotional for retirees. Our free time is spent scrolling social media, not learning God's word. And so when evil crops up, we look at it through what those things have taught us. That's our perspective. I can talk till I'm blue in the face about the spiritual armor of God. But if we aren't looking at the world spiritually, it doesn't matter. If every force that comes against us, we attribute to a bad person or a bad government or whatever, then we're believing that our struggle is against flesh and blood. When God tells us our struggle is not really against flesh and blood, it's a spiritual battle. So what lens are you looking through? Our perspective is spiritual. Looking through the lens of the word of God. As Christ followers, our perspective is a spiritual one looking through the lens of the Word of God. And then this this other piece, uh, posture. So whenever I say posture, it makes me think about my own posture. But posture is uh, how you hold your body when you're standing. And it translates into sitting too, of course, but really good posture is seen in how you stand. Posture, uh, though, when not just thought about uh, physically, posture is how you approach something. So Do you approach with your head high and your shoulders in alignment with your ears and your spine and your waist, or are you more like this? So what is our posture when it comes to evil? Well, we look at this armor for the approach, for the posture. What armor you wear into battle tells you how you're going to have to stand. So let's go back to our scripture in Ephesians uh, 6. I'm going to read 13 again, and then we'll get going on the armor. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Now listen, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Verse 16 says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So on your head uh, with the posture of God is salvation. Now, how does that affect your posture? You keep your head up because you're saved. You're saved in Jesus. You know, so posture up here on the noggin is I need Jesus. 
on your shoulders that breastplate is laid, which is righteousness. Now, when we talk about righteousness, we're recognizing that our rightness is because of Jesus, not our own. So your posture wearing righteousness is strength, yeah, but also humility. You're like, I need Jesus. Around your waist is truth. Jesus says, I'm the way, I am the truth. So our belt, uh, the belt I need, Jesus. On our feet is peace, those peace shoes. Well, who's the Prince of Peace? Jesus. In one hand, faith, like a shield. Well, where's our faith? Our faith is in Jesus. In the other hand, the word of God. My sword is God's word. Who's the word of God? Jesus. Our posture, our approach to evil is I need Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And in him, I can stand. Our posture is standing our ground because we're totally dependent on Jesus. Our posture is standing our ground because we're totally dependent on Jesus. Now, I've learned some ways to identify when our posture is out of alignment. Here's what it looks like. I'll call it recognizing bad posture. One way to recognize bad posture is if you see division. Not disagreement, but division amongst believers. It's an indicator that people are coming from totally different perspectives and postures. So you can argue points in a disagreement. But make sure you know if you're disagreeing with someone or actually experiencing division with someone. If that's the case, arguing points is pointless. If you have Fox News and CNN arguing, forget about it. Fruitless, pointless. But two people with armor on who may be learning together, you can have a bit of an argument in the spirit because you can stand together. But I lift up division as an indicator because when you see division, that's where evil seeps in. Another indicator of bad posture is self-preservation, not self-interest. We all have self-interest. We all need to be looking out for that. But if self-preservation, just us making sure everything about us and everything that ours is preserved, if self-preservation becomes a guiding principle to a group of people who said we would lose our lives for the sake of Christ, pay attention. Evil has a chance there. And when we forget those on the outside, our posture is off. When Christians start living like there's no one who does not yet know, or we forget about those who are on the margins, or we have our arguments in plain view as if no one is watching, when we forget that our actions done unto the least of these are done unto Christ, bad posture. And this is where evil likes to come in. Evil loves to see division in a nation, in a family, in a church. Evil loves when everybody's just looking out for number one. He hates when we're giving our lives for each other. And evil loves when the outsider loses and loses and loses. But when a nation binds together with everyone's 15 cents to put Jesus back in the sanctuary, evil goes running. There are all kinds of bombs that can be set off in the church that cause great destruction and pain and death, and they look like division, self-preservation, and the one on the outside losing. But God can deliver us from evil. God will deliver us from evil. And we can stand, guys. We can stand today. You can stand in your life in the face of evil, in the face of addiction. You can stand if you have past abuse. You can stand if you are the minority. We can stand when our armor is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Now, I've talked specifically about racism today as evil, and I have done that intentionally. After a lot of prayer, 
I've come to this place to know that this is a part of my calling. When I was 22, God told me the fight is not over, Jacob, and I will call you one day to stand up against it. And I'll also call you one day to be an old dude who helps other young people see their place in the fight. But this is not just my calling, it's yours. It is the calling of the church. In Genesis, it says everyone was made in the image of God. We don't read these stories as old bedtime stories. We take them as the truth of the origin of the story of God. And then in the very end in Revelation, it says one day every tongue, every nation, and every tribe will feast together. The start of our story and the end shows that racism is evil. And if we have a biblical lens, a spiritual perspective, we will not argue over fine points. We will stand together. This week, I wanna invite you to pray every day, starting today at noon. We are doing this with our sister church, Corona Baptist Church, just down the street from here. Their pastor, Bishop Bobby Sanders, the pastor there, he called me and invited us to join them in a prayer focus that they're having every day at noon, just to stop at noon, wherever you are, and have prayer. And to pray 2 Chronicles 7.14. Write it down. You can look it up later. Pray it. 2 Chronicles 7.14. It's a verse that says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, God says, I'll hear you from heaven and heal your land. Now, Corona Baptist is a predominantly black church inviting us to unity, not division. To pour our lives out, not preserve and to not forget those on the outside. They're inviting us to stand with them. So please join us in prayer. And I know all this evil talk and today talk about racism, it's not super comfortable. Standing against evil doesn't sound all that safe. I love how Pastor Mark Batterson says, well, Jesus didn't die to keep us safe. He died to make us dangerous, dangerous to evil. Being a Christian is a daring thing when you completely surrender your life. It's a radical looking thing to the world. So let's do it. This is our moment. We're ready to stand. And if you wanna do something today, I invite you to reject evil, repent of your sin and receive Jesus. And you can do this by answering the historic questions of baptism. And I'm gonna ask you these questions now, some of you again, and some of you, some of you for the first time. On behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, say, I do, I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil injustice and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, say, I do, I do. And do you confess Jesus Christ as your savior, put your whole trust in his grace and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? If so, say, I do, I do, amen.